It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, October 23rd, 2014. Thank you for being here tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Anthony, Looking forward to our study. Anthony Petrachko is behind the controls tonight. Anthony, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to have you. And it's good to have you on the other end of the line as well. We'll look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com on the program tonight. Jacob, you know, after nine-plus years of the virtual Bible study, it's pretty hard to come up with a topic that we haven't dealt with in the past at yeah. least once, sometimes yeah. multiple times. Right. I think we've got one tonight that we haven't dealt with before. All right. Let's hear it. Okay, we're going to talk about deacons tonight. All right. Uh, and so that's our topic. We sent out our update earlier today and uh, gave you that topic for discussion, gave you some questions we want to consider as we go through our study tonight. I know we've touched on some of these points before, I'm sure, but uh, probably not. Well, we have, talked, we have talked about elders and the qualifications of elders and the work of elders, but I don't think we've ever discussed the qualifications of deacons and what their work is. Yes, so we'll do that tonight, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you. One of the questions you posed, though, I'm pretty sure we've talked about, number four on your list that you sent out for the update list tonight. Yeah, uh, here's what the question Again, if you're not on our update list, get on that list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. We'll do it. Um, And to our update list today, we sent out these questions. Number one, where do we identify the specific office of deacon, and how do we see them distinguished from elders and other members? Okay. What does the word mean, deacon? Okay. Then question two is about the qualifications that are listed in 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. That's where we uh, we have a singular listing of qualifications for deacons, and it's in 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 through 13. We, we're going to try to comment about each one of those qualifications. Okay. Number three, what are the duties of deacons? Uh, and, and as a part of that, is it true that deacons are to be over the physical matters of the church and the elders are to be over the spiritual matters of okay. the church? Uh, and then also... Our deacons, sort of like junior elders, are sort of in training. They'll get to they'll get promoted, you know, if uh, when when the new season rolls around. They're EITs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, elders in training. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> and then number four, can women serve in the office of a deacon? And we'll be looking at Romans sixteen verse one about Phoebe there in right. particular. Right. And then we got an email in from Bill in Texas. And I think this is an interesting question, so we'll add it to the mix, try to cover it before we're done. Where do, where in the scriptures do you get the practice of appointing deacons to a permanent title or position like elders? He goes on to say, if I'm not mistaken, deacons were selected to make distribution to needy saints. It seems to me every time the need arose, they would be, they would select more deacons or different ones. 
Is it a permanent position to take care of the physical structure of the meeting place or to sweep the front door or to mow the lawn? Just wondering. Mm-hmm. So uh, okay, Bill. Bill asked sort of the question about term limits on deacons, and I hadn't ever or really thought just, about it before. You're appointing them for a special purpose, and then when that purpose is filled, you move on. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. I've never before. had heard that, so we'll, we'll try okay. to talk about that before Thanks, we're done. Okay. All right. All right. Let's dive in. All right, we'll look forward to hearing from you, 877-381-4567. They're slow getting in the chat room tonight, but they'll filter in there. You'll want to be signed in if you're not already in the chat room if you're watching us. Yeah, we want your input. Tonight. We didn't get much email this time, uh, and so we need your input in the chat room. Before <laughs> Let us know. we get started, though, and we'll talk about it at the end of the program, I'm sure, we need to mention something coming up here in a few days. Yeah, we have a gospel meeting here at College View next week. starts Sunday, the 26th. It's going to run through the following Friday night, the 31st. We're going to have different preachers from the near area of, okay. Mid- of Middle Tennessee. Uh, actually, we got at least one coming from Alabama, but <clears throat> preachers within a driving distance of yeah. us here in Columbia, Tennessee. And we want to invite all of our listeners who are listening who who would be within a driving distance to come and join us next week. We'll be meeting Sunday morning at 930 and 1030 and at 230 for uh, 30 minutes of singing and 3 o'clock in the afternoon for our for our evening service, Joel Plunkett will be preaching at all of those services on Sunday. Uh, then Monday through Friday, we're going to we'll be meeting at seven o'clock each night. Yep. Uh, Monday night is Rick Duggan from Murfreesboro. Tuesday night, Paul Smithson yep. from uh, uh, Tullahoma, Tennessee. Yep. Wednesday night, Ronald Stringer from Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Thursday night, Steve Klein from Athens, Alabama, and Friday night, Jim Michaels from Lewisburg, Tennessee. All right, that's and we might mention what we always do, Jacob, when we have a, a gospel meeting is that just as soon as it wraps up on Thursday night, we rush in here to the virtual Bible study room and we bring the preacher with us mm-hmm. to, to discuss the sermon that he has just preached. Right. Steve Klein is going to be bringing a lesson, I think a really important one next Thursday mm-hmm. night. And if you're, if you're able to come, you will not be sorry that you came to hear Steve Klein preach on the Christian and alcohol. Okay. Uh, so uh, if you can come Thursday night, again, I don't think you'll be sorry. You, you'll hear a very solid, well-studied and presented lesson on the Christian and alcohol. And then we'll talk about that. Uh, then we're going to bring, we're going to bring Steve in here afterwards. And by the way, uh, we may be, you know, just a few moments late getting started, a, a heads up. If we're a little late getting started next week, yeah. you'll know why, but, uh, that we're gonna we're gonna thoroughly discuss that on the virtual Bible study. That's a that's a topic that we really think is important, Jacob. We're becoming more and more of an issue. Yeah, we've talked about it several times recently, and we've been in discussion with different people about it. Uh, uh, really, several different people over a period of time have have brought up this subject. We've discussed it. And we really think that the Bible truth on it needs to be thoroughly examined because our society's views on the matter are changing. It's becoming generally more accepted and. And Christians are following that tide, and so we need to talk about what the Scriptures teach. So we'll look forward to you being here next Thursday. If you're not in the Columbia, Tennessee area, you join us here in your usual seat. But if you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we would encourage you to come and get a real seat. Yeah. Uh, hear the sermon and then come and Yeah, what we usually do is set up some chairs here in the virtual Bible study room yeah. and get people to come and be a live studio audience. Okay. And, and you can comment uh, on air okay. uh, as we discuss this All topic. Right. So we'll look forward to hearing uh, being with you next week. Uh, Sunday through Friday, 
Uh, for more information, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. And, Anthony, you've been invited, so we'll yep. look forward to seeing you here next yeah. week. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. All right. And, by the way, uh, Anthony is one of our deacons here at College View, so, Anthony, we're talking about you tonight. Yeah, so. that's what I thought. I was like, <laughs> oh, hot seat. It's all, all about right. me tonight. Okay, all right. All right, so let's get started here. The first question we, we ask is, where do we identify the specific office of deacon, or is there one, and how would we see them distinguished from elders uh, and other members of the church. Okay. Probably one of the best places to go for that, Jacob, is in uh, in Philippians. Uh, it's okay. often been pointed out that Paul sort of identifies a fully organized congregation. Um, in Philippians chapter one, verse one, Paul and Timothy, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Mm-hmm. So he talks about the saints or the members of the church there in Philippi, mm-hmm. and then he mentions the bishops, of course, which is a synonymous term with elders, and he mentions the deacons. So the church at Philippi had elders and deacons among the totality of the saints that were in that in that church. Okay. All right, 877-381-4567. So we specifically see it there, and then we see some qualifications given as well that uh, would help us to understand that there is an office of deacon. Actually, when we read those qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it actually uses that terminology. Right. Uh, In 1 Timothy 3, verse 10, talking about the deacons, let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. And so Paul there, as he's describing deacons and their qualifications, which we're going to look at here in a minute, but when he's talking about that, he actually calls it an office that men would hold. Uh, Now, I I think we should point out that it's not just a a sort of a uh, honorary position. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I get to be a deacon. Right. But it's actually... The, the meaning of the word is key here, I think, and we, and we ask, what is the meaning of the word? The meaning of the word is one who serves. Okay. Uh, it's from a Greek word meaning a waiter, an attendant, a servant, or a minister. Okay. Uh, there's, a ver- there's a verb form of the word, uh, which means to wait upon, to serve, to minister, and so the, the the real idea is of someone who is active in service, mm-hmm. who's given special uh, uh, duties of service that we want to discuss a little later. Uh, so, uh, you know, someone might say, Jacob, well, aren't you a servant in the church? Aren't, right. Uh, aren't you to be ministering uh, to various situations in the local congregation? Okay. All right. Uh, we and, might get into that a little bit in our last question tonight. But the answer is yes. I think we all are to be yeah, servants. Right. You know, we all should be ministering to the various needs that exist within a local church. But these are specially appointed individuals who have to meet certain qualifications. And so it's not just sort of a generic, oh, I'm a servant, right. which we all ought to be. Right. This is a specific office of servant or deacon. Okay. And so uh, it is, I think it is identified in the scriptures and I, I think we can, uh, see them distinguished in that way. It's not just sort of a vague uh, uh, identifier. It, it is an office. It's called an office. All right. We'll look forward to hearing from you tonight. Just send your comments in the chat room. Uh, and uh, just the fact that they're mentioned there in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, you ask, how do we see them distinguished from elders and other members? Obviously, there is a distinction in the fact that they're both listed in the same passage and two different uh 
offices identified there between elders yeah. and deacons. Yeah, in First Timothy three, it talks right. about elders, right. and then it, it gives their qualification. Then it right. talks about deacons, gives their qualification. Now, how do you know that they're distinguished from other members? Well, again, they're in, the in Philippi. I, yeah, well, they'd be distinguished because not every Christian certainly would meet the qualifications that we'll describe here in a minute. Yeah. I mean, just some of the physical uh, conditions of be a man, be a married man, be a married man with children. Right. You know, that would you, you begin to exclude some people even without looking any further into the qualifications there than that. Yeah. I remember a time when uh, a, a local church uh, where I was was uh, going to go through the process of appointing some deacons. And so they asked the members of the church to suggest names of men who they felt would be qualified. And it was pretty shocking when the name of an unmarried man with no children, never been married, never had children, was suggested to serve as the, I mean, if we can't get that very obvious qualification right, you know, we're probably not going to get the rest of it right okay. either. All right. Uh, sadly, that uh, we do need to, to think about what the scriptures teach. Okay, uh, let's, uh, we got we do have an email from Chris. Our 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 current and most faithful correspondent is Chris in in England, and he he says concerning the specific office of deacon, he says in Acts twenty where Paul addresses the elders at Ephesus, they are told to shepherd the people, to lovingly guide and lead the people of God. At times, uh, alongside to comfort or help or to rebuke, change. Uh, uh, of, of those who wander off. In Acts 6, deacon was used in the context of serving. If you look at those qualifications, they clearly did more so, but they serve under the leadership of elders. They are not restricted in their offices except for that. Um, we want to talk about that probably, and maybe now is as good a time as any. In Acts chapter 6, you remember there was a situation in the early uh, days of the church in Jerusalem in which there were some needy widows. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying of the, uh, pleased the whole multitude, and they chose, and then it names the seven men. Stephen was among them. Philip was among them. Mm-hmm. Verse 6, they, these they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Yeah. Uh, I think most will agree. In fact, I'd, I'd be glad to, to see a little survey done in the chat room. Among you who are in the chat room, do you believe that Acts 6 is describing deacons? The word is not used there. Yeah. Uh, but... But very often it is suggested that what's being described there is the work that would later be identified as the office of a deacon. Uh, Anthony, a little supposition there on that part. Uh, what your thoughts along those lines? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's difficult to tie it directly to that, as, as we were saying. Um, but clearly it meets some of the criteria we've talked about because – they they were set apart in a way. It was more formal than just saying, "Hey guys, can you take care of this for us?" Right. There was there's something formal about it. Yeah, it was something special, as we were talking about. Is a deacon different from any other member who's just serving as a Christian should serve? These these men clearly were set apart in a way. And there were some qualifications placed on that. Right. So yeah. if you just yeah. needed somebody to to 
take some groceries to somebody, you didn't really necessarily have to have qualifications for that. Yeah, and so they did state, here's what we want. When the apostles said, here's what we want you to look for, they gave them some things to look for in right. the men that were chosen. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think that is a place where we see a distinction between them and, and the other members, if indeed they were deacons. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. uh, I, I, I would... Uh, uh, we get... Uh, Getting some answers. In and the John chat. in the chat room says, while the responsibility of those seven were roles of servants, they were not deacons as described uh, better. The reason for my conclusion is there were no elders. The apostles and other than the, uh, the apostles other than Peter did not serve as elders. They would have had to have been there would have had to have been elders if we understand First Timothy three properly. Yeah, I, I I would agree with John's take on that. And by that way, that's probably another great question to add at the end of our study. Can you have deacons without elders? And John's already. Uh, 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 added his uh, opinion to that, yeah. and, I, and again, I would probably concur with that too. Yeah. In fact, I definitely would concur with that as well. Uh, okay. So anyway, so, so John says no, probably yeah, so, not. Answer the answer in the affirmative is going to require some supposition, Anthony. I mean, I I agree. They weren't elders, but they were apostles. I don't know. I mean, we don't have those today, so. Yeah, they were. They would still be under someone. Yeah. The deacons would be under the right, apostles yes, in that case, yes. rather than under elders. So uh, interesting point. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. You know, we've often looked to Acts chapter six as sort of a pattern for how to appoint men to special positions in the church. Right. I think you could do that, even if you didn't call these guys deacons. Right. I think you could say, look at the, they were men chosen to fulfill a role. Yeah. And and how were they chosen? And then use that as a pattern for us in choosing elders or deacons. And it does. So it doesn't. It's really not crucial one way or the other if these were deacons or if they weren't. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, before we move from, on from this question, what does the word mean? Chris has a good uh, answer to that. The translators transliterated the word, uh, almost just taking the word from the Greek to the English. The Greek word is deaconos, and that's deacon. Uh, the word is used, uh, translated elsewhere, just to show that it is simply the idea of one who is a servant. He gives uh, an example, for instance, in Matthew 22. In Matthew 22, verse 13, the king said to the servants, bind him hand. And this was the guy who came to the wedding feast without a wedding garment. And the king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away. Cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing teeth. He, the king said to his servants, that's the word deaconos, yes. deacons. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, 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 the, the word literally means a servant. Right. But we have, I think, clearly identified that there is a special office of deacon or servant in the church. And we'll talk more about their qualifications when we come back to this break. All right. Not the only uh, office where the uh, the title would uh, lead, lend us to, uh, lead us to an understanding of what the uh, position is, their duties are. Uh, we could do the same with elder or, or pastor uh, or uh, or bishop. Uh, so those words are convey a meaning, and uh, so it is with bishop or with deacon as well. All right, we'll take a break, and when we get back, we'll continue the the comments and the discussion. We're going to talk about the qualifications for those who would uh, be considered deacons uh, on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? 
But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in Him for salvation by doing what He says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. He who is waiting for something to turn up might start with his own shirt sleeves. Your temper is like a fire. It gets very destructive when it gets out of control. Some people want to serve God, but only in an advisory capacity. No civil law can change evil into good or vice into virtue. George Washington said, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Daniel Webster said, if we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will prosper. But if we and our posterity neglect the instructions and authority of this book, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overtake us and bury our glory in profound obscurity. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight talking about deacons and their qualifications is uh, next on the list. Uh, we've got some comments in the chat room, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, guest uh, 182. 182 says, someone, in the, someone has to serve the church. Where I am, we do not have elders, but we have a treasurer who serves the church that meets the qualifications of deacons. Uh, he's a tre- he, he's the treasurer. Uh, well, we, but we all uh, should serve the church. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, we all serve, and 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 certainly in in the absence of elders, we might make a decision and expedient expedient choice. So Jacob, you you take care of the uh, depositing money and writing checks for expenses and so forth. You know, and you're not you might not even be meeting the qualifications of a deacon. You know, maybe you're a single guy. You know, but you, you, uh, you, you know not, how to, you know how to write a check. Yeah, hopefully so, we don't choose a treasurer who's greedy of filthy lucre. That might be a little bit unwise. Yeah, but I mean, you could appoint someone to to help just uh, deal with the expediencies of the church's right. banking uh, who didn't necessarily meet the qualifications of a deacon. Right. Uh, and you'd be serving the church, but you would not be serving in the office of a deacon. And and so I I kind I, I'm I'm strongly of the opinion that. There, there wouldn't it, it wouldn't be right to have deacons without elders because then the deacons sort of become de facto elders, and the, then they be maybe they begin to assume decision making roles that are not theirs. And I think it could one thing could lead to another. Uh, it, it seems to me that the deacons need to serve under the direction of elders, and if you don't have them, then you're just going to have to sort of fall back to the idea that. Everybody's a servant, and we'll just have to make, uh, we'll just have to agree 
you do this and I'll do that. Okay. All right. Uh, would you then all uh, have a preacher to serve a church absent of elders? Uh, they could then become uh, de facto elders. Guest 182 says. Yeah, it, it, that's a danger. I think that I think that's a danger. Even if there are elders, okay. that right. the, that the preacher becomes sort of the de facto pastor of the church, and that okay. has to really be guarded against. Yes, it does. Uh, and uh, John in the chat room is still ta- commenting about Act Six. Anthony, I don't know if you're in the chat room or not tonight. Yep, I'm watching it. Uh, that's a good comment. He says there the, the qualifications of the seven in Act Six included full of the Holy Spirit. And I take that to mean that he's saying they were not deacons. They, they, this they was, were they, because they had different qualifications. Yeah. If you uh, include that to uh, to mean miraculous but, gifts, of the but, Holy but Spirit. it wasn't. It, I don't think that was a miraculous gifts because. Uh, it was not until a couple verses later, three verses later, that the apostles laid hands on verse in verse six. Uh, they they set these men before the apostles and they laid their hands on and and That's, only after that did it start to describe. For instance, verse eight: Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Philip in chapter eight would go to Samaria and work miracles, but I think that came at the laying on of the apostles' hands. You're assuming that's what that, that the, the purpose of that in Acts six. Not necessarily did that that. Not necessarily, but there's no reference to anybody working a miracle in Jerusalem before that. Oh, okay, all right. And nobody else. In, in fact, there's some other places like in chapter five, uh, verse twelve. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Uh huh. So I mean, everything uh, leading and, and there's another statement. Uh, uh, Anyway, I'll have to find it. But there's another statement, uh, uh, verse chapter 2, verse 43. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Every reference to someone who was working miracles was the was an apostle Prior to until after the apostles laid hands on those seven. And immediately thereafter is the reference to Stephen being working signs and wonders. Well, the deeper we go, the more questions we have. We do not. We're not going to solve this question tonight. It's going to. There's going to be. Uh, it's up for debate, I guess, is whether or not these were deacons. Okay. okay. All right. Well, but uh, uh, John says correct. There are differences between the qualifications found in Acts six and First Timothy three. Both groups serve, but I don't see enough evidence to say the two groups are the same. I, I agree. I, I, I think that's, that's the right a statement. Conclusion. I think that's the right statement. I don't John. think we do have a, a, enough evidence to say conclusively, John. So uh, good, uh, but an interesting discussion. Some good, fa- uh, good points made uh, tonight. All right, let's go oh, on we to got the coffee. One more. One oh, more. Okay. Uh, guest seven nine eleven says uh, yes, they were deacons in Acts six. in Acts chapter six because verse two uses the word uh, diaconito. Uh, which is the root term for deacon. I, I agree that he is right. In Acts verse 2, Acts, two verse, Acts 6, verse 2. Acts 6, verse 2. The twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. That's the word, the word serve there. But it's not talking about, it's not a title ascribed to these men. It's just talking about serving. It doesn't. It It, it doesn't seem reasonable, they said, for us to leave off preaching the word to serve tables. Uh, and so the word there is just being used in its very basic literal sense. And not, I don't think there's being used to identify those men or a title applied to those men. Okay. All right. I think that's, that's what I think. Okay. 
All right, we probably spent too much time on that question. We're going to we have, have trouble getting it out. We have, uh, we, and we've only got a few minutes before we get a break. But let's uh, go to let's, let's go some to comments. some of these qualifications. The qualifications, yeah. of course, are stated in First Timothy three verses eight through thirteen. We're going to follow them as listed and as worded in the King James version. Yeah. I know if you're looking at a newer translation, it might be slightly different in wording or order, but we'll go with this. The King James starts out with the word grave. You got to be an undertaker as one of the. Uh, qualifications. Uh, other versions, I think, will probably say something like reverend. Reverent. Uh, okay. That is uh, someone who is sincere, r- respectable, can show uh, proper respect and order. Uh, someone who takes his responsibilities seriously. Yeah. Have you ever known something? I know you have, but uh, every once in a while you find somebody who has does not have the capability of being serious when the situation demands it. Right. You know, they just don't know when to be serious. They, they're just not wise enough to discern. You don't be making jokes in, in this setting. Uh, I think that those kind of things would be the kind of things that would disqualify a man from serving in this role. He, he's got to be respectable. He has to be able to show respect. He has to be serious. Now, that's not to say he can't have a sense of humor, obviously, right. uh, but he, he knows when that's appropriate and not. And certainly he's going to take his responsibilities seriously. Anthony, you think you had a yeah, comment? No, I, just, I think I've certainly known people like that and even known of some that were in uh, church offices that were later removed from that office for that reason. Really? Or asked to resign and comply they with would, the request. Because they couldn't be serious. They were just... Constantly goofing off. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so uh, I think I'm, you know, it's commendable. But yeah, I mean, certain people just don't they don't take serious things seriously, and you know, that's uh, I think that's kind of what it's getting at. All right. And that and someone in that role could have an effect on others in the congregation. They think this is a joke. Well, maybe uh, they think it's a joke as well. Guess seventy nine eleven uh, says grave is is equivalent to sober. I would agree. And guest 182 says their wives must also be grave. Uh, so, uh, and, and he makes the points. Interesting that deacons' yeah. wives have qualification, but elders' wives don't. Sort of unusual, but that is true in the true. in First Timothy three. Uh, Chris in the UK says about grave, not silly or flippant in relation to important matters. Serious in mind and character. Well said. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Uh, what time we got? We're uh, time for a break. Take time for a break. We've got to hurry here. We're not going to get through these qualifications if we don't hurry up. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll get back. Not double-tongued. All right. Not double-tongued. Not giving too much wine. Not greedy of filthy lucre. We'll talk about those and more when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The, after this bullet point, we'll continue the discussion. Stay right where you are. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. The College View Church is having a gospel meeting next week. The dates are October 26th through 31st. We're excited about the prospects, so we thought we might spend a minute talking about gospel meetings. Years ago, when gospel meetings were conducted, it was reasonable to expect that dozens of visitors would attend. In fact, the response was sometimes so great that the meetings would be held over for an extra week or two. These protracted meetings often resulted in the conversions of many individuals. 
Times have definitely changed. These days it's difficult to get visitors to attend our gospel meetings. Interest in religion has waned. Folks are just not searching as much as in the past. Furthermore, there are so many other activities that are competing for the attention of people. Television is a great distraction. It is simply much easier to stay home and watch TV, and so folks won't come to the gospel meetings. For these reasons, some are arguing that gospel meetings are not effective and should be discontinued. They point to lower attendance figures. There's even an absence of visitors from neighboring congregations. Do gospel meetings accomplish any good today? We affirm that gospel meetings, while having changed in many ways, can still accomplish much good for a local church. The emphasis of most such meetings has shifted from an evangelistic effort aimed at the lost to a learning and growing opportunity for those who are already Christians. Visiting preachers usually direct the bulk of their lessons to the members of the church. This can be a very effective tool for motivating Christians to greater faith and service. Who can doubt the value of this? The church will grow as each individual member grows. With a little advanced planning and work, the gospel meeting can still be helpful in reaching the lost. If folks will look ahead to the list of announced topics, maybe even asking the visiting preacher for additional explanation of the subjects, it will be possible to invite others to hear appropriate and important Bible lessons. The lost may not be converted during the gospel meeting as they were in the past, but doors of opportunity can be opened that will allow for fruitful follow-up work. The bottom line is that it's up to us. We will determine the effectiveness of the gospel meeting. If we attend faithfully, invite others to come with us, and enthusiastically support the meeting in every way, it will accomplish a great deal of good to God's glory. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgardner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. As you heard in the bullet point, we are having special services here this time or next week, beginning Sunday through Friday. We'll encourage you to, to, to join in on those. Stay tuned to the end of the program. We'll mention them again. Uh, but if you do have questions about what we believe or practice, we encourage you to check out our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find out more information about us. We're talking about deacons on the program tonight and in the chat room. We've got a question about the women. I want to hold on to that, Jacob. Oh, we're going to hold on we'll to get that. Okay. To the, when we get to the last qualification about deacons' families, we want to talk about their wives or what that means in verse 11, 1 Timothy three eleven. Even so... Must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things? So, John and John wants to know if that could be extended to the elders' wives. Is it yeah. a logical uh, assumption that there must be qualifications on them? Yeah. So we'll hang on to that for a minute, okay. and we'll get to all it. Right, John, hold let, it, let, hold let's it. go real quickly through some of these. I think they're pretty straightforward. Uh, not double-tongued is the next one. Uh, literally saying the same thing twice. Uh, double in speech, saying one thing to one person and another to another uh, with the intent to deceive. That's what Thayer says okay. about it. All right. So double-tongued would be basically not honest, n- not telling the truth, always not saying, in other words, I'll tell you what I think you want to hear, and I'll tell Anthony what I think he wants to hear. I would be double-tongued. Okay. Uh, and, of course, uh, that that's a, a, w- would be a very damaging thing in any Christian. Yeah. Much less someone who holds uh, an office in the yeah. church. Uh, uh, deacons are going to be uh, maybe sometimes privy to sensitive information, and they need to be careful with their tongues. Uh, I think that's an important qualification. Any and thoughts? And a position to be divisive, I guess, as well. Um, and that that double tongue thing could could attribute, you know, be yeah. very destructive in that situation. I think so too. Okay. 
The next one is one that probably we could spend a lot of time talking about, not given to much wine. And in the questions, I ask you to compare that to a few verses earlier mm-hmm. when the qualifications of the elders were being stated. In chapter 3, 1 Timothy 3, verse 3, the elder was not given to wine. Yeah. But concerning the deacon, it says not given to much wine. Yeah. Now, some have tried to pose an argument. I think maybe next week when we're talking with Steve Klein about the Christian and alcohol, that question will come up. Does that does that expression suggest that they could drink some, just not a lot? Well, uh, I, I might look at a passage like 1 Peter chapter 4, another passage that mentions the drinking of alcohol. In verse 4 of 1 Peter 4, In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them to the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you, or your version may say, I believe the King James Version says, excessive riot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so just because something uh, is condemned in excess does not mean that it is permissible in in moderation. Mm -hmm. Uh, A a little bit of riot is not acceptable, and and, and nor is uh, uh, a little bit of wine. You know, I've often explained this very simply, you know, when you kids were little and we'd get you – dressed to go to church services uh and then your mom and i would finish up getting ready and and you guys would often say can we go out and play and we would say yes but don't get all dirty yeah well we weren't saying you can get dirty up to your knees yeah you know that's that that expression does not allow some that's just not the way language is used and and I, again, we'll probably, uh, just for sake of time here, we'll probably spend more time with this argument next week with Steve Klein when we're talking about the Christian and alcohol. But just from First Timothy 3, think about the elders who ought to be the most spiritually mature men in the church. If anybody could handle alcohol, you would think it would likely be them because they're the most spiritually mature men in the church. They're not to drink any at all. Men who do not yet attain to that same level of spiritual maturity, it's okay for them to drink some. That doesn't even make sense. That's yeah. Common sense says that's not a right interpretation. Yeah. Anthony, comments on that? Right. I mean, it, you know, certainly the idea of uh, of much wine versus wine, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, you, I think you've said it well. Guess 182 says, uh, so is not given to much wine about gluttony? I don't think so. I think gluttony and 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 drinking they're often related for instance sometimes the scripture will use the expression wine bibber and glutton yeah but what gluttony is about food not about wine and john uh, jim in the chat room says change the word wine and make it sin not given to much sin doesn't make any sense i think you're right jim okay exactly right all right okay uh again be listening next week because if if Steve doesn't bring that up, I'm going to bring it up to him because I think that's Ooh. a that's a he question. better be ready. A, I hope he's listening tonight. Yeah, that's an argument that often okay. gets thrown out there. Okay, okay the next the next uh, qualification uh, is guess one eighty two says so they're not to be given to much or to none alcohol no alcoholic wine. Well, uh, again, we're saying that the 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 forbidding of the excess does not permit uh, something in moderation necessarily. Uh, and we've looked at other other examples on how how would that 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 would be the case. Okay. okay, all right, go ahead. All right, so not greedy of filthy lucre. Uh, that is the uh, lucre is sought on occasion when none is due. It is filthy, and when the desire of of even just gains is excessive, it ceases to be clean. That's from a commentary. Some some notes from a commentary. Uh, 
the idea of of, of gain, uh, undeserved gain, filthy gain. It's talking about money, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, this is saying that that a, a deacon should not be a person who would be influenced by or tempted to use his position to gain money yeah. uh, unrighteously. Right. Okay. Um, Christian UK says not to abuse their office to make money. Usually they're placed in position of trust, so must not see this as a way of surreptitious gain. Whoa. I think that's right. All right. right. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next qualification. You keep up with chat room for me, Jake. I'm keeping it up, and it's getting busy. But okay. All right. Next qualification was uh, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. I think... Uh, that this would suggest that the mystery of the faith is the the revealed truth of the gospel. And so I think uh, this would suggest that they understand uh, that they're good students. I would would suggest it implies that they know what that mystery is, the revealed mystery. They would know what it is, and then they live it in such a way to maintain a pure conscience. Yes. Um, Someone has said... The deacon must not be a weak or immature Christian who knows little or nothing about the faith and who is not very conscientious. Yeah. That's probably well said. Okay. All right. That's good. Excellent. And um, that's going to get into discussion here in a little bit when we talk about uh, our deacons over physical matters. Is is there a distinction here where the deacons are just supposed to be have a strong back, maybe? Okay, uh, quickly moving on. Let them first be proved. The text says, let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of deacon being found blameless. Yes. Uh, I think that one is, is pretty simple in the idea that they they are being chosen for this office in the church based upon a track record. You know, I have actually heard some people suggest, well, let's go ahead and make that guy a deacon. Maybe it'll help him come along you know uh-huh. maybe he'll grow into it so to speak yeah. well that'd be absolutely against the principle stated here in other words the, the man who's going to be appointed to this office has already demonstrated himself to be a faithful man right. who's willing to work hard who accepts responsibility and fulfills them and so that's i think the idea of proved they are proved they have shown themselves they've demonstrated yeah. that they are such a person uh so it's not just something it's not just a position to encourage uh there should be no surprises, I guess, in other words, uh, Anthony, uh, when right. when someone takes the, the role of deacon, there should be no surprises as how, as to how they will discharge those duties. Exactly. Um, Chris in UK says the, the tense of the verb being that in the perpetual present tense, indicating that they are always and continually evaluated in the character they have and the services they minister. I think that would be true. I hadn't really thought about it from the tense of the verb, but obviously uh, we'd want – if they ceased to be well established, in other words, they've, if they have disproved themselves, now they have not been proved. They're, they're proving otherwise, then they'd have to be their work and service in that office would have to be reevaluated. All right. He goes on on the next page there. Well, blameless is the next oh, I'm qualification. Sorry, I'm sorry, I missed that. Yeah. Blameless is the next qualification uh, listed. Holding the mystery of the faith of pure conscience, let them first be proved. And then be blameless. Uh, they, they should be found blameless. You may want to check your email there. It looks like we may have an email uh, there. But uh, blameless, uh, 
Certainly, uh, Anthony, let me ask you that question. Those who, who are to be deacons are to be blameless. Uh, does that mean, are we to conclude that deacons are to be sinless? Right. I mean, it can't, can't mean that, right? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So um, it can't be that they've never made a mistake. So if it's not, you know, so, but it's got to mean something. So it seems, you know, that the logical uh, import here would be, you know, someone who, who, see a way to say it, but someone who has, you know, is guilty of a charge against them and has not made that right, whether it's something of a public nature or, you know, whether they're living in sin is the phrase we might use, unrepented sin, someone who is at the moment, you know, considered, you know, uh, worthy of blame for some unresolved situation would be my explanation. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567 if you'd like to talk on the phone tonight. Uh, here's what Chris in the U.K. says about this idea of being blameless. This is literally meaning not able to be held as a, in a criminal sense. With no valid accusation of wrongdoing, this can uh, can be made against him. No overt, flagrant sin can mar so that he can be an example to others. Essentially, most of the other qualifications elaborate on what this practically means. Why are we precluding the wives? Uh, okay, he, anyways. So he says, um, yeah, so basically you're not going to have anything that can be held against you. Okay. You're going to correct those those mistakes that you make. All right. Quickly, we got to move quickly, and we're almost time for break. Let's take this next one. They've got to be the husband of one wife. Yes. Uh, husband of one wife. S- several obvious things. They have to be married. Yes. They can't have multiple wives. Uh, yes. Uh, would be obvious conclusion. Uh, Chris says literally a one woman man. It's not a statement of his marriage, but his moral and sexual purity. Uh, he says, I don't see this qualifications forcing the recently widowed elder to instantly have to get a new wife to remain an elder. I would say though, that this could well preclude the happily married man who is a habitual user of porn or other such material or has a flirtatious attitude or demeanor around other women. Also, this would instantly bar the woman from holding office as she cannot be a husband I agree. or the same sex attracted as they wouldn't marry a woman, but that would be obvious. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. Uh, the, the man has to be married. He has to be married to one woman. So that would obviously require a scriptural marriage woman. He couldn't be in an adulterous marriage, obviously, because that would he wouldn't be blameless in a case like that. Sure, sure. So uh, I think that's pretty straightforward. You've got to be a married man. Now he gets into this question about whether uh, a man who's a deacon and his wife dies, if he is he's qualified to remain uh, a deacon at that point. We talked about we that talked recently. About that. Uh, yeah, some, someone says that uh, Chris says he doesn't think that one would have to step down, but I, I'm going back. This is talking about elders, not deacons. But uh, well, it's actually yeah, this uh, the deacons as well uh, about let, deacons. Well, they let their wives be reverend. Let so the they... deacons be. That's present tense. Let the okay. deacons be the husband of one wife. Uh, concerning the elders, uh, that the elder is to be the he must be the husband of one wife. I think the present tense. Of that would suggest that that would be a requirement ongoing. Okay. All right. All uh, right. Now let's get a break quickly. Well, before we do that, real quick, yeah. the last the last of the rules or, or qualifications was ruling their children in their own houses well. Well, if they're ruling their children well, that would in, imply that they must have children. Yeah. Uh, if they're going to if they have to rule their own houses well, and that's one of the things we're looking for. We want to see in this track record that they've established. 
Have they been able to manage their own affairs well? They're married. They have children. Are they ruling their children and their house well? So I, I would argue that they have to be a married man with children. Now, the difference between an elder and a deacon is that the deacon's children are not specified that they have to be believers yet okay. or they have to be Christians, where in regards to the qualifications of elders in Titus chapter 1, mm-hmm. uh, in Titus chapter 1, verse 6, they elders are to have faithful children or faithful or believing children. Yeah. And so uh, elders' children, I believe, must an elder must have children who are Christians. Yeah. A deacon, his, he must have children, but they don't necessarily have to be Christians yet. Okay. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Although guest 182 says we can skip them, we don't have to take them. Well, guest 182, don't speak for the other listeners. It's <laughs> hazardous to their health if we don't let them have a break here. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll get back. We'll at the top of the hour. We've got to talk about, well, are they just over physical matters or their spiritual uh, implications to the duties of a deacon and uh, are they junior elders and can the, wi- the can women be deacons we'll talk about all that we've got a long way to go and we'll get back don't go anywhere we'll continue right after this did you hear what they just said call in during this break and let everyone know what you think the virtual bible study continues after this announcement hello everyone i'm monty a member of the college view church of christ so if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The city of Houston, Texas, has issued subpoenas demanding a group of pastors turn over any sermons dealing with homosexuality, gender identity, or Anise Parker, the city's first openly lesbian mayor. And those ministers who fail to comply could be held in contempt of court. The subpoenas are just the latest twist in an ongoing saga over Houston's new non-discrimination ordinance. The law, among other things, would allow men to use the ladies' room and vice versa. The city council approved the law in June. That information is via Fox News 10-14-14. The Word of God says in Acts 4, beginning verse 19, But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Back and going to the top of the hour, going fast. What are the duties of deacons? Well, I think it's whatever they are appointed to do. Uh, that would be my answer. I do not think that you can break it down and say deacons are over physical matters, elders are over spiritual matters. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I, don't think you, I don't think you can break it down that way. Uh, I just think that they are to serve in whatever role they are instructed to serve under the guidance of the elders. They might be assigned any number of tasks. And certainly if the 
men in Acts chapter 6 were deacons. Again, supposition we don't know. But if they were, they weren't spiritual weaklings. We know Stephen went on to uh, to uh, be the first martyr, and Philip obviously very instrumental in the growth of the church. So they were they were very spiritually capable men. Yeah. As you said earlier, it's not just that they have a strong back and they can do physical work, although it might involve physical work. Again, if those men were Acts 6 were in that role, their their job there was to serve the tables, to to take care of those needy widows. And so just whatever they are assigned to do, I would say they are not by uh, as we asked, they are not junior elders in training to become elders. Yeah. Deacons might, you know, in time uh, be able to. To also take the office of an elder, you know, at a later time to take the office of an elder as they mature, grow, uh, uh, as their families mature and grow. Uh, that would be a great goal to set, but it's not necessarily so. It's not, to, it's not that you would say, well, this guy's been a deacon for 20 years. It's time for him to be an elder now. Well, it's only time for him to be an elder now if he's qualified to be an elder now. Yeah. He may not, he, he may not be qualified to be an elder. I mean, he may never become qualified to be an elder. But he could continue to serve as a deacon. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five seven. If you want to get in quick, um, and let's uh, go to this question yeah, about the, question. the women. The women. What about the women? All right, uh, a couple different aspects. One has come. Another one's come up in the discussion tonight. But the first one you mentioned earlier today: Can women well, serve in the office of deacon? Well, in Romans chapter sixteen, in Romans chapter sixteen, verse one, Paul says, "I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church which is at Sincrea." The word servant there is this root word for deacon, and some translations actually translate that. She's a deaconess uh, of the church, which is at Sincrea. I don't think that I don't I don't think that'd be a fair translation because it gives a misimpression. She's a servant. Are you a servant of the church? Yes. Everybody should be a servant of the church wherever they are. Right. Phoebe was commendable in that she served the church where she was, but it doesn't say that she held an office of deacon, the office of a servant in the church. So I would say Romans 16, verse 1 doesn't prove that. Now, in the chat room, it's come up that in verse 10, we're, we're looking, our, our text for study tonight has been especially 1 Timothy 3, uh, verses 8 through 13 about the deacons. And in the middle of that, it says, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. The word for wives is just woman, because that's the way the Greek used the term. And you have to let the context bear out whether it's talking about a man's wife or just a woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think here that the context would certainly lend itself to suggest it's talking about their wives, not just women in general. It's talking about it's talking about uh, men who would be in the office of a deacon. Uh, they are to be married. They are to have children. And in that context, it says their wives, their their women, yeah. the women of those men, right, uh, should be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, you know, some have said verse eleven then is teaching. Well, the men should be this. And then the women should be this. That's okay till you get to verse 12. But the very next verse says yeah. the deacons must be the husband of one wife. Right. And so that would eliminate a female, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I just don't think verse 11 is opening the door to female deaconesses. I, I, I've certainly known of people who make that argument. I think I don't think the argument stands. I think verse 12 
blows it out of the water. But again, you don't have to have the office to be serving in the abilities that you have and the capabilities you have to provide those services. Exactly right. And um, to the question John asked earlier, would you think that these qualifications of the deacons' wives, grave, not slander, sober, faithful in all things, would be applicable to elders' wives? There's no qualification stated for an elder's wife other than he is uh, to be ruling his house Rule, rule well his own house, verse 4, having his children in subjection with all gravity. So his wife would at least have to be someone who could be ruled yeah. well. So I, I would say yes. I would think that everything that's said there in verse 11 about the deacon's wives, you'd want to certainly be true about the elder's wives. I wouldn't know any reason. In other words, if, if we've got an elder and his wife is a slanderer and not faithful, then he is not ruling his own house well. And so I would say, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe in in sort of a roundabout way, we could say, yeah, everything that's said there about the deacons' wives would also be said about the elders' wives. Yes, 182 says, yes, deacons' wives would serve along with their husbands. That's the qualification. Phoebe was a deaconess. That's what the Bible says. All this goes along with 1 Timothy 3. Phoebe was a servant of the church, but it doesn't say that she held the office of a deacon that we're describing Again, here. We've, we've shown other places where that word was used about uh, the king's servants uh, in yeah. Matthew there. It's just a general term for it's one who term. serves. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but we're we're talking about, as 1 Timothy 3 verse 10 says, the office of a deacon. Yes. One who is especially appointed to a role. Uh, well, guess 22 says you're arguing from a translation, not the word. No, no we're, we're, we're arguing from verse 10, the office of a deacon. Yeah, and, and and again, that word that word uh, that is translated deacon is also translated servant, as we referenced in uh, was that passage Matthew uh, twenty four. I think it was twenty four. No, it wasn't twenty four. Matthew twenty two thirteen. Twenty two thirteen. There's some other places: Colossians four seven, Romans fifteen eight. It's just okay. the word for servant. Okay. But here we're talking about a, a person who has the appointed office of a of a deacon or servant. Okay. All right. Uh, let me see here. Oh, that's not what I want to do. And uh, let's see if we had one more question to talk about here. Uh, let's see. I don't know why we didn't. Um, and we're just about out of time. Guest, uh, uh, go ahead. Guest 7911. Uh, Anthony, you had some discussion with him in the chat room. Yeah. It took me a second, or or, yeah. It took me a second to figure out with what he or she was talking about, but I guess, you know, bringing out the the point that sometimes is made that, you know, it seems unfair to say someone's not qualified based on what their children do or don't do, that it's out of their control. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that's so that so why is the elder not to be, can't, why can't he be an elder? It's because one of his children right. is uh, accused of riot right and, and unruly and not yeah. faithful. I mean, so my, my response was, you know, well, okay, so he can't be an elder, but He's still a perfectly fine and, and acceptable Christian. So yeah. Yeah. just because you're oh, not an elder. Why, 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 wow, why, this, why, is, why, this, this whole thing has generated a lot more conversation. Of course, yeah, there's yeah. been some bleed over hey, to but, the topic hey, of elders. Stop talking about free will, though, Anthony. Why could, why could a man not be an elder just because he couldn't find a woman that would marry him? Well, yeah, well, talking about there's some yeah, free will there. That's right. Not yeah. responsible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, but, and there's I no, mean, nothing wrong with somebody who's not married, right? right. But, uh, they can't be an elder. They can't, they, but they, or a deacon. But they can still serve. And they, Real and they quickly, we're out of time. This, I, I, I am yeah. actually shocked that this this topic has generated as much conversation as it has. That's great. We love it. Uh, but finally, to Bill's question that he he emailed in, what 
where in the scriptures do you get the practice of appointing deacons to a permanent title or position like oh, yes, elder? Yes. If I'm not mistaken, deacons were selected to make distribution to the needy saints. He's assuming, we talked about Acts 6, he's assuming from Acts 6 that they were deacons, and it doesn't yeah. say that they were. Uh, seems to me every time the need arose, they would select more deacons or different ones. I would say there are ongoing needs that r- would suggest a, a as long as a man ha- has shown himself qualified, as, according to the qualifications we discussed tonight, as long as he's qualified and as long as there are these ongoing needs in the local congregation, then why would you term limit him, so to speak? No. I, don't, I don't see that. I don't see anything in the in the context of this. Uh, again, you got to be careful about too many assumptions from Acts but, six. But, but in stated qualifications of here in First Timothy three for those who hold the office of a deacon, I don't see anything that would suggest a term limit. But what if let's say we had a catastrophe, maybe a natural disaster, and we had a lot of uh, a lot of needs in the congregation? Could you appoint a deacon for that purpose? And then when that when that need is expired, uh, that that deacon resign? I suppose he could. I, I don't know what the precedent would be for it. I don't. Okay. I, I mean, but I'm just saying it would be a possibility, perhaps. Of course, this raises the other question, and I'm glad we're out of time because I don't know how to deal with this necessarily. Okay. Should every man who meets the qualifications be named a deacon? Right. Should now, I I, I lean in the favor of men who are qualified should be named as elders, but should every man who's qualified be named as a deacon? I don't you, think necessarily so. My position on that would be not necessarily so. If there's not a need, yeah. a, a, a need of service, that it wouldn't necessarily be justified. All right. But you do think an elder, sh- well, the elder has to desire the office. So yeah. just because he's qualified. Well, I guess that'd be one of the qualifications. Yeah. But, okay. All right. Well, you think we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's an interesting discussion. As I said, I'm kind of amazed that it generated as much talk as it did, and that's great. We love it when there's a lot of conversation in the chat room, a lot of things going on. We didn't get to everything in the chat room, but that's good. It just indicates there's a lot of talk going on. Nothing nothing open there we need to close up, Anthony? I don't think so, just sort of more of the same. And I think maybe earlier, guest 7911 may have had reference to passing over some of his comments about alcohol. But, again, we're going to talk about next that week. next be week. Be back next so. week, 7911, right. and uh, we'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to talk about alcohol, the Christian and alcohol, the whole time next week. Again, remember our gospel meeting starts Sunday, runs through Friday night, the 31st. On Thursday night, Steve Klein will be preaching about the Christian and alcohol. And as soon as he's finished, we may be a few minutes late getting in here, but as soon as he's finished, we'll come here and we'll discuss that on the Virtual Bible Study. Yep. Sunday, October 26th to Friday, October 31st, uh, our gospel meeting. Uh, you'll want to be here for that. And then be back here this time next week uh, on Thursday night for the discussion with Steve Klein on the subject of alcohol. should be a good discussion. We'll look forward to talking with you then. Anthony, thanks for coming tonight. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Dad, for your time. Thanks, Jay. Thank you again for joining us. And again, we hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.